Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the longest-running Bigfoot podcast on Blog Talk Radio. The original Squatch Detective Radio, featuring your host, Steve Coles and Chris Bennett. Three decades of Bigfoot research, two decades of Bigfoot radio. Here we go. 911, what are you reporting? Uh, we got someone or something crawling around out here. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Uh, all I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature, and I knew, I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, in the whole night, this isn't a man. And the whole time, the whole thing was shadowing us, right behind us, right on the side of us. You could, you could kind of see the thing moving through the woods. There are thousands of perfect people whose word would be good on any other subject who describe getting a good look at an enormous hair-covered upright animal, and that is a fact. And good evening, cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch Detective Radio for today's date, February 10th, 2019. I'm your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective Steve Coles, along with my, well, the guy who's been kind of braggadocio about not having Snowy-O, Mr. Chris Bennett. <laughs> hey, Steve, man, you got it right, too. I mean, we're getting some rain right now, though, so, uh, you know. Uh, but, you know, the the nice thing about it being uh, above the freezing temperatures is we, we, well, I don't have to worry about the rain. But uh, I'd rather have rain than snow, man. I, I, felt, so, I felt, felt bad for you guys. And, uh, you know, just uh, my heart bleeds for you, you know. But if you want to get out of the snow, just come on down to Kentucky. You're welcome anytime. And if you ever want snow, just give me a call. I'll mail you some. <laughs> I'll bring my sled. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it in a box. Um, oh, yeah. But anyway, hello to hello to Flycatch, who uh, made it on time tonight, I see. And, of course, sitting behind me <laughs> is my good pal, Tactical Bigfoot Research, Mr. Mike and himself, who is in studio. Happened to be in town, and uh, so he's hanging out with me tonight. To do the show, and he's listening on the other PC. So, but uh, what a show we got! What a show we have tonight! Uh, just a quick program announcement. Uh, next week we're going to have on Eric Altman and Dave Dragason from the Pennsylvania Crypto Society, and we're going to oh, be talking cool. about all kinds of things. And um, <laughs> yeah, the live version of Steve House. Yeah, you know. <laughs> So th- this is the first time in a while I've had to broadcast with clothes on, because normally I just sit here, you know. Oh no! <laughs> no, 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 no! I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, this Steve doing the broad doing the broadcast in your underwear and a cup of coffee, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my BVDs. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're uh, fly. You know, we'll talk about that too. Um, but uh, a lot of stuff has transpired, and of course, tonight's guest from the Buckeye State, we got Tim Stover and Ohio Bigfoot Hunters Facebook group, and uh, that's a fun place uh, on Facebook, one of the more friendlier ones, and uh, have a lot of fun over there. And uh, we'll be getting on him on momentarily. Of course, uh, we're going to be talking about some topics, and of course. When we get Tim on, 
I, I want to get his take on this. But, of course, uh, you know, we, we haven't been really doing too many shows since January because of, uh, you know, a little bit of a hiatus because of the holidays. And then last yeah. week we were up against the Super Bowl, which was kind of- <laughs> <laughs> Ah, man, we can't compete with the Super Bowl. There's no way. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I think I think if we had oh, I think if we had talked about these topics last week, we would have been more yeah. exciting than Super Bowl with that story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we could have did some uh, and, uh, commercials and stuff, you know. <laughs> it, it was a better soccer game with the ball being kicked so much. Um, well, you know, well, anyway. I, I didn't even watch it. I didn't even watch it because you know I can now you know with. Well, today's, today's technology, I can just breeze over to YouTube and watch the Super Bowl commercials without having to sit through the game. I'm really not a football fan whatsoever. And, uh, you know, but I really do enjoy the commercials. But this year, you know, I felt uh, they, they were kind of dry, you know. And, you know what, uh, the, um, the, uh, the, the halftime show this year? Uh, it wasn't good at all. Either. Well, oh no. Oh, uh, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was pretty pretty gnarly. And uh, <laughs> something very funny just happened in studio here today. Is my dad just came barrel came barreling into the office with a toy in his mouth, looked at us, and then just all right. right off. So I have all no right. idea what he's thinking. <clears throat> but anyway. Um, of all the times for him to act like a knucklehead. Um, well, anyhow, uh, so topic number one, and you know what, Tim Stover, come on on. We're, how are you doing tonight, brother? We're yeah. just going to bring you on. Because... That's right. Good. Steve, Chris, how are you guys? Thanks for the invite. Oh, well, absolutely. Anytime. Um. And um, so you know, we're going to talk about the topics. We might as well bring you on because – you're you're one of the best color commentators out there, so and, and you and, and you and you've had your share of you know, you know shaking the tree or busting people that are shaking the tree, so. Um, and uh, that's always that guy is always my 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 favorite. Which which Patterson is he? Not not Mike Patterson. Mike Patterson is uh, Sasquatch Ontario. That's uh, yeah, Jeff no, Patterson, a- isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, you know, the sad thing about it is, is that two out of three Pattersons are hoaxers. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm glad I got uh, that one. Oh goodness! You know, the only the only Patterson that ever told us the truth, I think, was Roger Patterson. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, so to- the topic number one, of course, is Cat Hansen, and um, okay. this kind of this kind of blipped on my radar um, just shortly <laughs> after the holidays, and and uh, I I kind of tore into it a bit and debunked a couple of her pictures, but not without some uh, the usual assortment of uh, minions that we get from these hoaxers with some cult followings at times, and. Uh, make no bones about it. That's what Cat Hansen's, you know, objective was was to create a following so she could, yeah. uh, you know, get some money via her Patreon page, telling us oh, on yeah. how much she knows about these creatures. Yet every picture, well, 
the pictures that I pointed out were clearly hoaxed, uh, manipulations right. of pictures, etc. And they can all be found on my blog. But one of the <laughs> things that always gets me is that. So I, I may I break out the story, and I get this cook by the name of Link Paul, and he PMs me, you know, accusing me of threatening with physical violence Cat Hansen. And then I had to hmm. kind of put him in his place. I say, well, first of all, sir, I am a private investigator. I am also a public notary in the state of New York, which makes me an officer of the state. So I would not stoop to a crime because right. that would jeopardize my professional licenses. And frankly, somebody right. threatening somebody, be it online, be it over the phone, be it whatever, is a crime. And... Yes. Um, he said, well, okay, I'll take your word for it. I said, um, I said because whoever's telling you this, you know, uh, said that I threatened her directly, is a liar. And I have no problems. Who is it? Well, uh, but can we agree to, you know, uh, not promote violence amongst, you know, Bigfoot? I said, absolutely. It doesn't matter, if, doesn't matter who's hoaxing her. Not violence has no place in this business whatsoever. Right. Yeah, and then somebody sends me a little conversation that was over on Cat Hansen's page, where one of her minions, or I don't know what you, the kitties—that's what I call them—made yeah. um, a comment that, um, you know, that oh, I can shoot him for you, and her reaction mm. was laughing about it, saying, "Oh, you know, mm. I know some people had it coming." You know, and and of course there's Link Paul coming in saying, wow. "Oh, pe some people had it coming for a long time." Well, what wow. happened? What happened to not promoting violence? And here's this guy right. laughing right along with him. So you want to talk about yeah. hypocrisy and trying to, you know, if you're going to try to intimidate me, you know, please get up a lot earlier in the morning. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, that's uh, well, you know. I think that's what they do. They try to fake this outrage, and uh, she probably come up with a well, she or he. I mean, we really don't know who this person is. Cat Hansen uh, well, could I'm be glad some you, guys. I'm glad so many you brought fake that pictures. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm glad you brought that up, Mister Mister Bennett, because mm. as you know, I am a private investigator. Right. Mm -hmm. so, I've heard that. <laughs> yes, yes, there is there is one Cat Hansen in the United States. One, only one. Wow. wow. And guess what? Guess what? Hmm. She did go what? to Utah and take archaeology. Confirmed. Oh, good. Yeah. Absolutely cool. confirmed. Did she get a degree? Not according to the alumni site. Oh. But let me let me rephrase that. I can't confirm she went to the school, but I yeah. can confirm that, she, that that this Cat Hansen did live in Utah for a short while. But for yeah. somebody, and, and you know, I'm going to give a little hint. Mm -hmm. Katuna, Katuna, Katuna. Um, <laughs> if. If she has all these interactions with Sasquatch, 
The only Cat Hansen in the United States, guess where she lives? Take a guess. Where? Connecticut. Uh, oh, oh my God. Jeez. Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> but Steve, what is Cat her, Hansen. Yeah, what is her motive behind this? For she's been doing this for years. Is it is she trying to make money off of all this? Well, what I see lately is a Patreon page. And she's got these different level subscriptions, like a $50 subscription level will give you a one-on-one oh. Skype with her. You know, $5 a month you'll get, you know, the best of her blogs, or $10 a month you'll get blogs in a video once a month and stuff like that. And um, oh. you know, prior to that, she had she was trying to do some kind of crafty type of uh, astral projection type of crafty thing or whatever. And believe it or not, she's actually had a YouTube page that was terminated for copyright infringement or some sort of infringement. Or, uh, using oh, a, really? I think it was because, I think it was he was using a fake picture or something. And every and she's already admitted that the pictures that you see of Cat Hansen are not of Cat Hansen. They're, in fact, well, I there's found like a yeah, there's three or four there on your blog there, Steve, and they're all different women, so I don't know. Uh, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I did, yeah, and, I, and I did happen to come across a couple of the real identities of the people. And the funny thing is, is the person that who she actually is does come from that kind of ethnic background to where she picked the singer out from. So it made it made a lot of sense who Cat Hansen really is. Cat Hansen is some suburbanite in Connecticut. Don't let her think that she's up yeah. in the mountains interacting with the Sasquatch. She lives <clears throat> in Connecticut. Wow. Well, I'm so. looking at her. I'm, I was looking at her uh, Patreon page, and uh, it's got a picture of a, uh, 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 a redhead, auburn-haired lady with really pale skin. And then here, right here on the same page, it says, "Hi, my name is Cat Hansen. I'm a Chata medicine woman with." She's a Cherokee <laughs> medicine woman, and she's from Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand there, is that. A, there is a lot of uh, different uh, things. In, in fact, uh, the funny thing is, is she made a comment on her Patreon page saying that she is known by some Native American term. Well, that Native American term she claims is like something to the equivalent of one who sees the special beings or one who can oh. communicate with the beings, right? When in actuality, what it means right. is, you know what it means? Medicine man. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. She, she's well, totally uh, wrong about that. Just out of curiosity, uh, is uh, Connecticut a recreational marijuana use state? Uh, I'm not sure. Not quite sure. Because uh, this not seems quite. kind of like out there, you know. Well, you know, I it is a it is a game, it is a scam. Um yeah. and you know, Tim Tim is right. What exactly is the motive? Not quite sure. I mean, could it have been at one time uh just for being bored? I mean, let's face it. The Cat Hansen we're talking about, she is not a 30-year-old woman. She is not a 40-year-old woman. I believe she's in her 50s, maybe even early 60s. So we're not talking about somebody that's... Now, she claims to have a 
a um, a uh, a uh, an archaeology degree from Brigham Young, and of mm-hmm. course, guess what? Her name does not show up on the alumni list for archaeology okay. graduates. Well, yeah. So, well, well the thing yeah. is, you know, I don't really mind if she wants to have a, like a a YouTube page or a Patreon, whatever, and she wants to people <laughs> to donate for her uh, <clears throat> to talk to her. You know, that's fine. But, you know, what bugs me is when you take a picture, which is a, a well-known picture, uh, easy-to-find picture, of a gorilla's face, and then use Photoshop to distort it <laughs> and try to say it's a well, picture of Bigfoot's face, you know, that, that, that doesn't work for me. Well, yep. Chris, that's, you know, that's, that's what I call a hoaxer. I mean, people like yeah. her, are, in other words, I call them, they're attention seekers. Right. When they're doing this kind of stuff, and, you know, and she's been called out on it before, and and yeah. just recently, and it's like, how much is it going to take to prove to people that are her followers that she's full of crap of what she's doing? Right. It's only obvious. Yeah. I'm glad. I mean, uh, Steve's blog page. Uh, if anybody's not seen that yet, they they need to go com and look at Steve's blog because he's got the photos of, uh, well, the, the two photos of the one gorilla face side by side, the one that she posted, which has been manipulated, and the original, which uh, when you when you look, you can see exactly what she did by looking at the leaves uh, on, the, on the tree there. That, that they're stretched out. They're long and skinny, so you got the, the faces stretched out long and skinny. The eyes are enhanced, made larger. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, man. I could definitely tell because Steve uh, shared yeah. that on OBH page, and I'm like, yeah. wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then oh. there was the second one, and actually a, tips, a Twitter tipster uh, gave me the, the second one I, I debunked, and that was the one where it was a picture of a young uh, ape sitting with its hand yeah. up, and she actually oh. darkened it and turned it on its side and made it look like right. a Bigfoot standing next to a tree or holding a tree. <laughs> right. That's the one that got me right there. I'm like, wow, how could she possibly try to pawn this off on people? I mean, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, just, a little a little more effort. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people that do this just ruin it for people like ourselves that are honest and, and you know, and, and trying to come up and fu- come up with the truth. And it, it's just so damaging. That's why in the future, you know, if, even if we get a body and laid in front of people's faces, they're still not going to believe it. You know, right. it's getting to that point because of all the hoaxery going on. No, nobody's going to believe us now. I mean, it's like, wow. Well, you know, I, I, I was talking earlier before we came on. You know, I, I do give her credit uh, when she uh, uh, photoshopped the picture of the gorilla, the, the facial pic, and she stretched his nose out and stuff. And that was actually pretty smart because that's how they uh, scientists that identify uh, the gorillas was by his nose prints. You know, like we have uh, different fingerprints, and everybody's fingerprints are different. Well, the wrinkles around the gorilla's nose are all different. They're unique to each individual, so that's how they identify him. Had she not stretched out his nose, you know, uh, we might never, uh, and Steve hadn't found that picture, 
<laughs> we might have never known. But, right. uh, well, as it was, I just want to be okay. clear. I didn't find those pictures. Somebody tipped me off to them. So okay. I, yeah. Yeah, I ran with it. And just to be fair, uh, you know, this was, uh, you know, somebody had pointed out and said, why isn't anybody publicizing this? Why isn't anybody, right. you know, you know, exposing this? And I'm like, well, that's what I do. And, uh, you know, her, this is the first time her name has crossed my radar. So I decided, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put this out in the public and show everybody. Yeah. That's yeah, baby gorilla Amani recovering after being rescued from smugglers. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yep. Um so that's that's Cat Hansen. So Okay, let's just <laughs> put her to rest. But okay, Cat but, uh, speak, speak <laughs> speaking of hoaxers speaking of hoaxers. Uh, I'm not. I don't want to bring any more attention to this guy at all. But apparently, he's trying to to make a little a little uh, you know announcement that oh, in April I'm going to be doing this. And you know what? Uh, you know what it is? Is the guy has only one cabbage to sell, and right now it's pretty rotten. And he's going to try a third time to sell that rotten cabbage. And guess what? I'm ignoring it because. Pretty much everybody else is too. So, and that's that's all I got to say about that one. <laughs> but uh, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, the kid who got lost for three days and says that he was befriended by a bear, and yeah. the people have jumped to say it's Bigfoot. And I'm saying, what in the hell are we thinking? I mean, really? What evidence do we have of any of it? Nobody's actually heard the kid tell his story. We've only heard this story secondhand, and just that he had a friend for a couple of days in the woods, and it was a bear. Okay. And automatically people are, bears are hibernating this year. Well, if anybody goes to the uh, North Carolina environmental site, Bears can come out of hibernation the first week of February because it isn't that cold down there. And we're only talking the last week of January. And guess what? There's also a note that human human, uh, disturbance can arouse them early from hibernation. So here's this little boy wandering around. Did he wake a bear up? Maybe. Then maybe he made it up just to keep his mind occupied because he was so Right. I did some research on the North Carolina bears, Steve, and they got their own their own hibernation schedule. They usually, it says, uh, from what I found out, it said they usually enter hibernation in November, but some have been reported to enter as late as January. Man. And it said, you know, af- after their hibernation, the bears usually emerge from their dens in March or early April. Well, this could have been a late uh, uh, a late sleeper yeah. bear, or he could have been aroused. Uh, it's possible. Uh, yep. It seems kind of odd. I, I think uh, personally, I think it's probably the kid's imagination, but uh, it is kind of uh, odd that a, a bear would stay with him for two days and take care of him. Well, that's the conclusion I came to. I mean, uh, the only thing right. a bear's going to want to do, especially to a little child, is eat it. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. But at age at young, and uh, and I know from the reports and the 
the articles that I read that it was secondhand information, you know. But even if he did say it, I can't see a bear cuddling him for a couple of days. Um, well, you know, and well, here's and people. Here's where the go ahead, Steve. Here's where the story I think ran ran amok. Nowhere did I hear that the bear cuddled with him. Right. You know, he right. just said right. he had he had a pal, a bear, and people took that. It's like the bad grapevine. Uh, I remember. Yeah. Remember that movie yeah. Johnny Dangerously with the bad grapevine yeah. in prison, where and it, at, by the end of it, it was so contorted. But Johnny Dangerously <laughs> knew what it meant because it was so contorted. That's what happened, I think. Uh, you know, there. You know, I'm the first story I heard is oh, well, he hung out with the bear and it cuddled him and all this, and then I went to actually find the source material. And I couldn't find anything to back up any of those statements. And all I can think of is rumor and supposition, and the story got twisted. But, right. you know, here's another another thing, Tim, as you were saying, you know, giving us a bad rap. There are actually some news outlets out there that picked up that actually made the statement that said Bigfoot experts think that the boy actually was with Bigfoot, not a bear. And then that makes it sound even worse too. So well, when I started reading yeah, those you know, articles, that that got we got to be more we have to be more judicious in how we portray ourselves sometimes. Well, he, yeah, you know, but, um, when the story yeah when the story come out, you know everybody you know instantly thought okay there's no way a bear is going to cuddle with them or whatever it's going it's going to eat them. Everybody right. jumped to oh it's got to be a bigfoot. It's got to be a Bigfoot. Um, after reading what, you know how the media is. Everything gets turned around. You can't believe anything nowadays. It, yep. You know, the, the, the truth be told, he did get lost for, what was it, one, two days or something like that. I think yeah. it was his imagination. I really do. But and then again, there's, there's and, always a possibility. I'm not saying it didn't happen, you know, that. but I, I just think it's his imagination. Well, here was, here was yeah. what was actually said on the from the USA Today story, it said uh, he hung out with a bear for two days is what his Aunt Brianna Hathaway shared in a now private Facebook post. She didn't say whether the bear was real or imagined. Okay, now it says Casey's mother gave authorities the same report that he had a friend in the woods that was a bear, and this is Sheriff Hughes told USA Today. So uh, you know that's that's where it came from. It doesn't say that he cuddled with it or anything like that. But right. here's the thing: yeah, I did, I, I went back. Yeah, after uh, I you know I got into Steve's uh, line here. I did a little investigating <laughs> on this story when it came out. And on the 22nd of January was when uh, Casey disappeared from the backyard. Now the low temperature that night was 17 degrees. Okay, now that is dangerously low. Okay, that's uh, right. He, he's a very lucky kid if he come out of seventeen degree temperature uh, exposed like that. But now uh, Wednesday also Wednesday was twenty eight degrees was the low. Now I think the highs was like in the forties or fifties during the day. But uh, uh, Thursday, you know, he he had it a lot better. It was forty eight degrees was the low, and I think the high was in the sixties. But now you know. We're talking on Tuesday night, the kid had a problem. And uh, from what I had read, he wasn't actually dressed to be out uh, for very long. Uh, I think he had on like a, a little light uh, jacket. 
Hmm. Well, it makes you wonder if a boy that young, you know, he probably at that age has no idea about Bigfoot, okay? Yeah, And right. If it was, I'm just saying, if it was a Squatch that yeah. kept him company for a couple of days, he would probably interpret it as a bear. You know, it's just very like, or yeah. you know, or right. a monkey, or a monkey. Right, right, correct. Yeah, yeah. or or because I, I, to, to me, a bear walks on four legs. A Bigfoot does not. Right. So correct to, to me, a boy would. Assume that it's either some sort of monkey, gorilla, <coughs> or a human, hairy man, before well, it would yeah, actually end. You got to remember, though, we're talking about a three year old. <laughs> three three years old. You know, he's, oh, he he's was not that even. Young? Is that, yeah, three years old. Oh, boy. <laughs> he's really not even doing his ABCs yet. So uh, his, uh, his exposure to the world is probably limited to. Uh, I don't know Barney and and Elmo and stuff, but now they, they, they the area though is is well known for having uh, black bears, so it's very possible that he could have seen a bear in the past or heard talk about about bears, but uh, it's very doubtful that he would heard ever heard any talk about Bigfoot though, so he wouldn't have known what one was if he saw it. But you know I I gotta say the kid is lucky to be alive because that. First night, 17 degrees. Okay, man, I'm not sure I would have made 17 degrees in a jacket in the middle of the woods. So, right, yeah. exactly. The only way we would survive as adults is knowing yeah. that uh, we would have to keep walking, keep moving and stuff like that. And I don't think that little boy would have had any sense to do that, you know. It just makes you wonder yeah. what really happened. Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't have built a fire or anything. You know, he didn't have the knowledge. You know, uh, as an adult, you know, we, I mean, any of us, if we would have been uh, stuck out in the woods or something, couldn't get back. You know, we would have figured out we'd rub two sticks together or something to make a fire to keep warm. But seventeen degrees, the three-year-old kid. So it does kind of make you wonder how this kid survived, and is it is it possible that uh, you know he got a little uh, little. Uh, care uh, care from uh, a Sasquatch. I guess it's possible. But, Is it uh, possible it sure wouldn't care likely... from a bear? No, not likely. <laughs> but, but I don't think you know, so because that, that bear. bear. Well, the bear isn't hungry because he just recently went into hibernation. It's not like the end point of the hibernation. Yeah. So that bear may not be as hungry as it would be as if it came out of hibernation in March or April. You know, yeah, if it, go, it goes be... into hibernation, if it goes into right. hibernation at the beginning of January and it's only been in hibernation for, you know, three weeks, it's right, getting up. It's, right. not as, it's not as hungry as it should be. Um, yeah. And we've seen, we've seen wolves take care of little kids before. Yeah. You know, that's that's what true. Well, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask if anything like that before was documented versus you know a black bear or wolves or something like oh. that. And I know I've heard stories over the years. So, oh yeah, I don't know the kids' names, but uh, there was one that was raised by wolves, and then uh, there was another uh, a woman that claims that she was raised by monkeys. 
uh, and I can't remember who they were. Dang it. <laughs> now, now that I got to thinking about it, I might have to look those up tonight, look those cases up. But uh, that the, the, the wolf uh, kid was raised by wolves from like an infant. Wow. And pretty cool. So I guess, you know, animals can take children, but I would think that, a, you know, you, you got, I have a, a, I'm very skeptical about bears, you know, uh, being tender or caring because uh, they look at everything as food. Um, I guess that's possible. But I do know, I do know from personal experience that uh, Bigfoot, these creatures are interested in, in our children. And uh, they draw their attention for some reason. I don't know why they're interested in our children. You know, it could be, oh, look at the little human. Isn't that, or it could be, look at the little human. Boy, it looks tasty and tender. You know, you, know, I don't, you, don't, know, you don't know what's going on in the mind of a wild animal. Correct. Well, exactly. But the little, exactly. The little kid, though, you know, to survive 17 degrees. Now, could he do it alone? Yeah. I, I wouldn't think so. You know, I wouldn't think he could. You know, but, you know, I, I don't know. Without the kid actually saying it was a hairy man or anything like that, right. just to make that right. automatic assumption makes us look All right. like we're gra- we're grasping at straws. And yeah, you, you know what I, I was I, – Well, you know what I was thinking, guys, is it, it, it would – it's at the point now where you just love to take a drive down there and sit down with the little boy and just start showing him a bunch of pictures, a bear, a Bigfoot, yeah. a dinosaur, and see what he picks out. You know, I don't know if the family's ever try- even tried that yet or if the story yeah. has just went cold, but that would be something to do. You know, that's what I would do if that happened to my little boy. You know, days right. later I'd wait till things calmed down and, you know, he was okay. I'd open this book with all these pictures and say, Tell me what the bear looked like. I mean, what it, you know, maybe that might might help, but right, just saying. Well, uh, he he was rescued by uh, the sheriff uh, Chip Hughes, and uh, Hughes said that he had to wade through nearly waist deep water to get to the boy. Oh and, yeah, uh, when I did he, read that. Yeah, yeah. When when he found him, said the the boy was soaking wet, cold, and tangled in thorn bushes. So, uh, you know, this kid, uh, that, it's odd that this kid, you know, how tall is the kid? He can't be over three feet high, I wouldn't think. Uh, three years old, and he went through the Hughes. It was, the water was waist deep on Hughes. But, see, that was the thing. I was thinking about, you know, hey, that would be a great place to go check for tracks until I read that part of the story where the, uh, the kid, uh, you know, you had to go through waist deep water to get to him. Uh, and that would kind of, you know, negate the possibility of finding any tracks. Um, well, you know, it, it is what it is. We won't know ever, yeah, probably. Yeah, that's right. Uh, now, now, and but I do want to cover this one last topic, and this one's hmm. going to kind of uh, rock some things. But <laughs> once again, we have another cabbage that has resurfaced. I talked about rotten cabbages early. Here comes another, I feel, is a rotten cabbage, is the uh, massacre theory at the Patterson-Gimlin film site has reared its ugly head again, thanks to uh, M.K. Davis putting this out there again. 
And I just don't see how you can see what you think is red on the film. And there's Bill Munz has come on and explained why that coloration is there. We've had it Bill right. Munz on number of times and explain exactly what that coloration is. But how does one go from that little alleged bloody pool to this huge massacre theory with all these, you know, well, this happened and that happened and this happened and it's nothing but conjecture and theory based on seeing something or believing you see something on film. And there is no, uh, there is no smoke. There is a smoke screen. And, uh, you know, it makes me wonder what is going through MK's head. Um, particularly because he's been really promoting another film that, you know, he's been really secretive about, uh, the fence, you know, the fence climber video. And Tim, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I've I've Um, heard people talk about it, but I don't think I've actually seen the video. Um, well, what people don't understand is is that, you know, MK's there with, or somebody's there with a picture of the fence. However, the section of the fence that is climbed over is not in the picture. So that tells me right there that could be an issue. You know, that, okay, I'm going to stage this picture, and the fence is only this high. Uh, not to mention, um, people wonder, people have wondered, you know, um, about this. Now, here comes the big shocker of everything. I've seen that fence. I've been there. Yeah. I've actually wow. been there. Really? Yeah, okay. And I and I know who actually captured the film. His yeah. name was Mike Sells. He passed away several years ago. Mike Sells was involved in with a bunch of hoaxed videos that had right. gotten him removed from the BFRO, had gotten him removed from, uh, I believe at the time, the the TCBRO down in Texas. Yeah. Um, the fence walker, I have met Mike Sells when he was alive. The fence walker looks like, to me, Mike Sells, who is six foot five, who is a tall, skinny guy, and it looks like to me it's Mike Sells in a ghillie suit going over. Guess what? That's Mike Sells' fence. So, oh, you know what? I think I've seen that video. Now recall, yeah. Wow. Right. That's you know that's the thing. I mean, you know, I'll be honest. MK does some really great video reviews and what he does, like on the Patterson footage and stuff like that. Yeah. Every once yeah. in a while, he'll stray off course, you know, and he'll get into something like. And you'll be watching it, and you're like, what? I mean, like the thing with this massacre theory, I've never believed in that at all. But, you know, yeah. a lot of his other work is really good. You know, he finds a lot yeah. of things that, you, never, you know, never, you know, you've never seen before in stabilizing film and stuff. Does great work, but then he, like I said, he strays off course for unknown yeah. reasons. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't say why. I, I can't fault MK for his work he does at uh, cleaning up these videos and stuff. And you know, that's, yeah. he does a great job. But you know, I also look at it this way: is he's got an opinion, 
and uh, his, his opinion is, is you know, it's it's sometimes I agree with it, and sometimes I don't. I'm sure that sometimes he doesn't agree with mine. <laughs> you know, but uh, that's just the way that's the way opinions are. You know, but he he sees a lot. But uh, man, he's talented. He's talented. But uh, he sees I, a lot you know, that I don't. I, I don't see. You know. I don't know. He's been promoting, you know, a lot of the Mike Sell stuff, and that, well, you know, yeah, that's that's bad. That's that's bad film to have. Uh, and you know why? And I don't even know why MK. I don't even know why MK would even attempt to get in to that, knowing what you know that this guy has been busted for in the past. I mean. Yeah, I don't know why he would attempt to even continue to to uh, try to dissect and and do whatever he is with the film. Um, that's crazy. Well, you know, I saw uh, MK the other day on uh, oh, it was a show about uh, uh, they did on the Honey Island Swamp Monster, and I don't think it was that old. Uh, the show, I'm not sure when it when they came out with it, but it was the first time that I had seen this one. It had M.K. Davis in it. I'm not sure if it's an old one or a new one, but I think it's fairly recent. I didn't get to catch all of it, but I watched part of it. And uh, so he's he's back in the in the big footing, and that may be yeah, why yeah. he's promoting some of these other videos. Maybe he could get a show on those. I'm not certain. You know, I don't know. That uh, I'm not going to fault him for his opinion. You know, I just don't agree with it. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, the way but, he uh, works, I, it makes it makes you wonder because he'll go elusive for a while. You won't hear anything at yeah. all for the longest time, and all of a sudden, boom, he's back on YouTube and doing his thing. And yeah, it's yeah. weird. Yeah, but if you know, if he's got some good stuff to work with, you know, I, I like I like to see his work. But I really don't think he needs to be fooling, wasting his time with that Mike Sell stuff. Because well, I'm, I'm like, of opinion, same opinion yeah. as Steve with that. <laughs> right, it's like Steve said, Bill Munns. You know, I've had him on my radio show years ago a few times, and I love the guy. I spoke alongside yeah. of him and yeah. Jeff Meldrum, and and uh, Bill Munns is just a straightforward guy. He's a straight shooter. He's not going to lie to you, and he's real good at it too. And he explained that red colorization. I mean, right. And I went with right. it, you know, and to to this day. MK still thinks there was a massacre there. I don't. I don't believe it. Well, uh, best I can remember. You know, now, this massacre thing was several years ago when MK first came out with that theory. And part of it, the theory was that they had gotten a backhoe and some <laughs> and some heavy equipment in there to bury the bodies. If I remember correctly, it's been a long time ago, Steve. Uh, was that right? Can you refresh my memory on that? Well, yeah, a few years ago, we uh, actually had that. I'm trying to think what happened. The massacre theory started being circulated by MK at one of the Bigfoot conferences. It might have been the Ohio Bigfoot conference uh, at one point in time where he was kind of, or one of the Bigfoot conferences, he was sidebarring with different people trying to show him what he believed, and everybody was kind of like, huh? Um, yeah. You know, and, and then there's some disturbing stuff, too, that, you know, uh, for example, Henry May has officially unfriended um, MK. 
uh, Davis. I know MK had released a video that Henry had said something about, and it was supposed to be just between them and and Henry got really ag- you know that was supposed to be a private thing that they were talking about, and MK made it public. And uh, so really, Henry wants nothing to do with M.K. Davis anymore and refuses to talk about him or the massacre theory because he feels that the massacre theory in of itself is a bash of Bob Gimlin. And um, Henry May has, you know, grown to like very much Bob Gimlin, has met him and stuff like that. So, um, you know, Jeff Stewart made a comment about uh, that, too. And we know Jeff Stewart to be, you know, a firearms guy. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he talks about the muzzle flash and, uh, he questioned that the white spot, which MK claimed was a muzzle flash was not, um, you know, so I, I, uh, it's just, uh, well, I, yeah, I mean, he's just, welcome. He's welcome. He's welcome to his opinion though, Steve, you know, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but, but again, what it comes down to is, you know, I don't know. It's just, I guess people are entitled to his opinion, but he's trying to claim them as fact. Yeah. And the the, the whole, I don't know. It just besmirches a lot of people, but uh, it is what it is, I suppose. Um, you know, I, I don't know, but the, the whole that and the the trying to hold up the Mike Sells video, especially the fence walker video, which I looked at the video and I looked at, I go, that's Mike Sells in a ghillie suit. You know, yeah. well, well, look, I, you know, this yeah. guy's five foot ten in the picture. Well, I wouldn't, you know, I wasn't going to come out and say that, Steve. Well, I'm glad you did, <laughs> because uh, that's that's one of the reasons I believe that uh, MK could do a lot better than the footage from the old Mike Sells footage. You know, uh, and and you know, Henry had some very strong words at one point in time, and I was mm-hmm. like, wow, I don't know if I'd go that far, but. Because, you know, let's face it, MK is not trying to make money off of this. No. So no. I I want to scale that a little bit back. As wrong as he may yeah. be, um, you know, I was there too. And I'm yeah. an investigator, and I, I took a totally different dig from the whole thing. Uh, you know, not to mention, you know, the, you know, Mike Sells leading us to tracks that didn't make sense. And that's a whole other story. Um but but yeah, uh, just it, it's not good when you know. I, I know people want to give MK a lot of credit. He does do great audio work, but yeah. it's not necessarily. It's how he gets from point A to point B sometimes confuses the hell out of me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, come on. But, All right, let's get let's get Tim going about Tim Stover. Come on. <laughs> so Tim, yeah. So, Tim, uh, and, of course, anybody wants to join the conversation, <clears throat> our yeah. call-in line now that we've actually gotten off the news topics for the night um, is uh, area code 646-668-2982. 646-668-2982. We're here live on uh, Squash Detective Radio with Tim Stover from Ohio. Tim, how's it going, brother? <laughs> Not too bad. Same old stuff. Trying different things and... Staying at it, uh, what's hard to believe that's going on 27 years since my sighting. So, uh, time flies, I'll tell you. Mm. So, so Tim, I'm going to ask you 
uh, to, to kind of tell everybody about your sighting because it's been a while since you've been on the show, and of course we have right. you know new new uh, listeners from all over the place now that we're on iHeartRadio and and Google Play Store and iTunes and all that stuff. So why don't you let everybody know what what exactly happened back in 1992? All right. Well, prior to that day. Uh, two weeks before that, I went down to Salt Fork State Park in uh, southern Ohio, and I scouted the area out. It's uh, Route 51. It's off the main route going through the center of the park, which is Route 1. And uh, I went up, uh, I turned on the Route 51, went up a couple miles, parked the vehicle, and I seen a deer trail coming out of there. I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk back in here, find a tree uh, that's going to be suitable for my tree stand you know, mark my area and come back on opening day of bow season for deer. So with that being said, I left on the day of my sighting, I left uh, early in the morning. I couldn't sleep that night anyway because I was so excited about going hunting the next day. And I got down there to my spot, pulled in probably around eh, 4.15 a.m. in the morning, worked my way back towards the tree, you know, got up in the tree with my with my climbing deer stand and um, sat up there. Like I said, it was about 4.30 in the morning. I stayed up there all day long, and I didn't see one deer. The only thing I seen was turkeys. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, coming early afternoon, getting towards later afternoon, I was getting sore. I was getting tired. I was frustrated because I didn't see one damn deer. That That kind of irritated me. You know, when you're up in a tree stand for 12 hours, that you know that'll get to you after a while. So, yeah. from what I can remember, about 4:30 in the afternoon, I did, there was there was a good hour, hour and 15 minutes left of daylight. But I was so frustrated, I was tired, I was sore. I'm like, the hell with this. I'm getting down and I'm getting out of here, and I'm going to drive back home. I'm not going to see you there. Well. I reached down, you know, to my waistline and undid my plastic safety belt that holds you to the tree in case you fall, you know. Um, right. Well, that made a noise. And as soon as I undid that buckle, I heard, a, you know, probably around the 2 o'clock position from the uh, direction I was facing, I heard like a stick snap, you know, uh, like a little break. Looked up, looked over there, there was nothing there. And I'm like sitting there thinking, okay, that might be a deer. Let's reach back down, get my safety belt back on, click it back on, reached up, grabbed my crossbow because it was on a hook on the tree. I didn't want to sit there and hold my crossbow all day, so it just stayed there on the hook. Looked back up, and there that thing was standing there. Probably, I'm guessing at the time, 30 to 40 yards away, and just staring in my direction. And immediately, you get your heart about drops because I didn't know at the time what I was looking at. At first I thought it was this huge, uh, giant, um, naked homeless guy in the woods covered in hair. You know, there, there's all kinds of thoughts going through my head. Well, anyway, this thing was staring in my direction. I couldn't tell if it was looking directly at me, which to this day, I believe it never did see me. I was in full camo. The only thing that wasn't camel was my broadheads, and they were up inside the quiver. So, uh, and, and it looked off to its right, and this all happened within 50, 60 seconds. Slowly turned its head back, looked in my direction, and then turned around to its right and started walking away from me. Now, here's where it really hit me. 
when it turned around to walk away, I can see the muscles flexing in its back. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, that's real. That's too big to be a, a human being. Uh, right. the, the hair's too long on it. It was the same color as the coyote. You know, it was it was a gray color, light gray to white color. And it just walked away and vanished. It Everything happened, took 50 to 60 seconds, and it was over. Now, let me tell you, I was shaking so bad, I thought I was going to piss myself. Because I didn't know really what it was, but then it, it finally sunk in. It's like, okay, that's got to be a Bigfoot. So I, I don't know if I, I stayed up in the tree stand for another 15, 20 minutes shaking. And the hardest part of that was it was a, a climbing deer stand. And, and Steve's yeah. an outdoors man. He's probably, you guys probably know what I'm talking about. So on your yeah. way down, you got to lift up a little bit, lock in the back blades, release, right. you know, go down. I could barely do that, you guys. I thought I was going to lose it, and I was going to come crashing down on my tree stand. But I made it down. I picked up my crossbow, and I'm telling you, like I said on Finding Bigfoot on the episode I was on, I actually yeah. walked a couple hundred yards backwards out of them woods with my crossbow loaded, you know, one bolt in it, which they call an arrow. And I, I thought yeah. that thing was going to come after me. And it, it's it's a day that you'll never forget. And, and I'll be honest, it's, it's a day that sometimes I wish never would have happened to me. Because from that point on, it totally changed my life. And, and, and ever since then, 27 years, I've been looking, looking for the answers. I, I know it's real. I know what I saw what was real. I'm a knower. I saw it. And nobody will ever change my mind about what I saw. There's been so many people yeah. that say, okay, Tim, maybe you saw this. Maybe you saw a guy in a monkey suit. No, not back in 92. Not when that thing right. turned around and I saw the skin underneath the hair. No freaking way. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So it, it was crazy. Well, and then again, uh, who be walking around in a monkey suit, you know, during right. hunting season? You know, right. that's a good way to get a, you know, a quiver in your uh, quiver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me tell you guys. I mean, from that day, for many years, I was thinking, how? Why did I see it? Where did it come from? Well, you know, after investigating, looking at maps and stuff like that, here on the other side of 51, I can't remember the distance, but through the woods, I think it's a mile and a half to the main route, which is Route 1. And and I remember all them years prior to that hunting down there, Amish guys would get dropped off on Route 1, and they'd walk in the direction to where I was coming towards, you know, 51. So I, I got to thinking something must have stirred that thing up, you know, to get it to moving in my direction because there was there was bow hunters all over that park that day. So yeah. it, I you know, they had to get it up and moving. Well did that did that change your outlook on, on hunting, Tim? Did you you still go hunting now or did you kind of slack no, off sir. of it after you were hunting? No. I slacked <laughs> off. I basically did not hunt since that day. I actually yeah. at the time I I, I let my family, my friends know, yeah, I'm still hunting. When I was going by myself, I would actually take a video camera. I went to Rent-A-Center and rented one of them over-the-shoulder VHS video recorders, you know, rent-to-own. And I right. would take my crossbow, 
and I would also take that camera. But once I got to my destination, the crossbow stayed in the trunk. The, the camera came out, and all I did was walk trails, walk the woods all over Ohio, trying to capture that thing on video. What I saw. So, right. And it was it was difficult. I didn't t- I didn't tell my family and my friends till till ten year exactly ten years later. You know, I just couldn't hold it in anymore. You know, back in '92, you know. That was the early 90s. You really didn't talk about that stuff because if you did, the people would think you was crazy. I mean, you know. But coming, you know, 2002, when I started telling people, it, you know, I didn't care anymore. You know, more people were openly talking about the Bigfoot subject and, and not making so yeah. much fun of it. So, yeah. and, yeah, it, it's a day I will never forget. But like I said earlier, it's sometimes I wish it would have never happened. Well, you know, I've had people – Asked me, Tim. They said, "Well, uh, why didn't you run up to it when you had your sighting?" And like, uh, that really never occurred to me. <laughs> did, uh, did it occur? Did it occur to guys, you to run up after this creature? <laughs> guys, listen. Yeah, you know this thing looked. It was. It looked like it could snap me in half. And yeah. You know what? Exactly. And the thing over the years, I hear some people saying, "Oh, Bigfoot, it's kind and polite." And it won't hurt you or anything. Oh, my God. Okay, you might think that, but what I saw that day was a monster. was a huge monster that could snap me in half. No way. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. That's the way I look at it, too, man. Of course, I've had so many people ask me, well, why didn't you shoot it? You know, I took hunter education courses when I was 15 years old. and, And the first thing they always told you was positively identify your target. Well, right. I knew what I was looking at. I didn't want to shoot it. I only had one shot. If I missed, you know, that thing yeah. could have come after me, you know. Yeah. And and besides, if when you're seeing something like that, you are not quite sure if it's if it's human or not in some way. So if you right. shoot this thing and kill it, then you can have murder charges on you. That's exactly right, and I think a lot of these people that come up with these ideas about this stuff have never been hunting, and they don't realize, because the first thing that pops out of their mouth, you know, uh, if a hunter claims that he saw something, they're like, well, why didn't you shoot it? Well, because if you were a hunter, you would know that that the hunters do not shoot anything that they're not exactly 100% sure of, and that saves people's lives, because although, you know, it could have been... uh, a Bigfoot, it could have been another hunter wearing a fur coat. You know, you never know. And right, exactly. You always tell, yeah, they, well, that stuff that comes point, up in your mind. Right. Go ahead. Right. At that point in time, I wasn't exactly sure until it turned around and started walking away. And I could see the skin. I'm like, okay, that is not like a monkey suit. Right. I don't know what I was right. calling it at the time. But and you right. gotta, even, if I, even if I did want to take a shot at that thing, I was shaking so bad there was no way I could have hit it. No way. Yeah, <laughs> there's no way I could have held on target. But that that thought is not going through you. The only thoughts that were going through my head at that time was, it was actually, am I going to survive this if that thing's real? Am I yeah. going to live to tell my yeah. story? <laughs> well, Tim, uh, do you remember? Was it was it cold that day? No, I mean, it was actually sure it was, no. It was, <laughs> it was in the lower 60s from what I can remember, and it got warm oh. up in there. This was in early October, first the first Saturday of October, and it, it was in the 60s. Okay. 
So, and, and both did, seasons four months long in Ohio. Right. Okay. Did you smell anything? Can you remember? I know it's been a long time, but no, sir. I've been asked that many times. Didn't smell okay. anything oh. up until that point yeah. where I heard that stick snap, and I think it had it stepped on something and broke it. I didn't hear anything prior okay. to that. Didn't smell anything. It didn't make. I didn't hear any noise. When it walked away, yeah. I, from what I remember, I did not hear it walking away. I, I'm not saying it's it's it, it's uh, <laughs> it come, it's interdimensional or anything like that, you know. But you know, right. at a distance at 35, 40 yards, you know, you're not going to hear something step like that away. Right. So. Right. Now, oh, uh, Tim, Tim, did you did you get a good look at its face? Yes, I did, sir, and. At that distance, I didn't see – I can remember seeing skin. I can remember seeing the mouth. I didn't see any teeth because it didn't have its mouth open. And when I was looking at its eyes at that distance, I, I'm sure even if it was a human, you couldn't see the whites of the eyes. I'm not sure, but I, I saw uh, no white. It was just dark. The eye sockets yep. were just – they were dark. And yep. And it's just like – I'm telling you, guys, it's just like on the Patty film. I mean, hardly no neck, real wide, uh, conical-shaped head, <clears throat> um, short, short legs. And people have asked me, was it male or female? I'm telling you, I did not really take my eyes off its face the entire right. time. I was in such shock. Um, uh, I believe there was some there was some vegetation on, around its lower section or something like that. I don't remember seeing mm-hmm. it its feet or its legs. I just saw that upper massive body. Right. And, and, and I just couldn't take my eyes off of its face, you know, because when you're seeing something like that, even if it's um like a deer and you're out deer hunting, you're focusing on its face until you take that shot, you know, right. because you're anticipating uh, if it's going to make certain movements with its head or eyes, you're kind of trying to anticipate what its next move is. That's what I was doing with this Squatch. I kept right. my eyes locked on its eyes. And to this day, I don't think, I can't say for sure, but I don't think it saw me. I was a good 12, yeah, 12 feet up in that tree, fully camo. Yeah. But for some reason, its natural instincts told it, and when it must have heard my safety belt, it must have told it like, okay, there's an unnatural noise. That it just right. turned up ahead. Let's turn around and go back the other way. You know, Tim, I've had something similar happen to me. Uh, I went into an area where these creatures were at, and as soon as I, you know, as soon as I made myself known, there was a loud snap, and then everything got quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I can't help. Times. Yeah. Yeah, I can't help but wonder if that uh, if that loud snap of, of a sound like a thick branch breaking, I can't help but wonder if that may be intentional, you know, on their part. Right. Uh, were they letting and, the um, other ones know or, or or something? I don't know. Yeah, the uh, I well, the one of the first things I'm always at, just like you guys asked, what color was it? And, and I told yeah. you what color was it. And also, that's. Um, you know, Stacy Hostetler, Steve knows him. He came up to your neck of the woods years ago, and you showed him around. Yep. And he, yep. he had his sighting at Beaver Creek State Park, and that's how he got a hold of me after his sighting. He wanted to find somebody that was local that had a Bigfoot sighting of a real light color. And, and right. his was almost a white color, basically. And, yep. and that's how I met him. So, 
And and that's another thing I thought of for many years after that, and that's why I never said nothing. I I grew up whenever the subject did come up about a Bigfoot, they were always supposed to be black, a black Bigfoot, you know, right. black hair. Yeah. And when I yeah. saw that day, that's what confused me so bad. You know, the, so many thoughts were going through my head. Okay, if that's a Bigfoot, it can't be because it doesn't have black hair. Well, I'll be damned. <laughs> when it turned around, walked away, there was nothing else it could have been. So I believe yeah. they they yeah. vary in colors. You know, just like the yeah. the hair on our heads, it that varies as you get older. I don't know. I, I agree. I think or, uh, there's or, uh, every natural or, color or, there is out there. Yeah, especially lately, bald. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't well, seen any bald ones yet. Now, if I would have saw that Bigfoot that day and it would have been bald, I'd be like, whoa, okay. <laughs> uh, here's a quick question. Did you happen to notice any earlobes on it at all? No, sir, not at all. I just yep. seen hair. I was focusing on the yep. face where there wasn't so much hair. I didn't, matter yep. of fact, I don't remember seeing ears at all. I know they was there, but if they mm-hmm. was, they was real small and just, you know, the hair was in the way. But, no, I don't remember. Yep. Now, yeah. a question, uh, some, a statement you've made a couple of times is, is that you wish you had not seen it. You know, why do you why do you say you really wish you hadn't seen it? Well, Steve, for many years, I I, went, I don't know if I'd call them nightmares, but dreams of my in my encounter, and the, the them dreams would not go away. Another reason why I say I wish you would never saw it is. It's totally changed my life and what I do in my life, you know. And for 27 years, that has been my goal, you know, to to see it again. And I, I don't know. It's just sometimes I, would, I would wish it would have never happened. Um, I don't know. It was just the dreams and then um, – you know, going the first 10 years without saying anything, you, you held all that in for 10 years. I mean, that takes a lot out of you. When you yeah. can't tell anybody yeah. for that many years and you want to so bad. And then when I did first started telling people, other than my family and close friends, I would, I would get ridiculed. And that's, yeah. that, and I, I didn't, you know, for many years I would get laughed at. That's, that's another reason why I wish it didn't happen. But now today, I don't wish it. I don't wish that anymore. Really, you know, it is yeah. what it is. It happened. It happened for a reason in my life. For some reason, it happened. Well, well, you know, that's the thing. I think I, I, a lot of people go through the same thing too, Steve. They they, uh, they see this, and then if they tell anybody, they they, they get made fun of. Like, oh, you're kidding. Nah, you didn't see that. You're pulling my leg. You know. Right, right. But I I also think that. And correct me if I, I'm, I'm wrong because of the, the nightmares. I'm sure that, you know, you were suffering at least some post-traumatic stress disorder from the sighting, which a lot of witnesses do in certain certain circumstances. When you have something that you're not, not in your belief system and all of a sudden you're seeing it, it shocks your world, it changes your view of the world, but it creates, and not being able to talk about it even compounds that. That I, it's probably a, a form of PTSD you were going through for some time. It, it had to be, Steve. That 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 sounds reasonable. It sounds sensible. That had to be what I was 
I was going through. And I know a lot of other people that have had sightings that, you know, that have the, had the same symptoms as I did. But I'm telling you, for many years after that, I was in bad shape. It really messed me up. Like, and it's like yep. you said, I saw something that is not supposed to exist. Right. And it's been, it, it, you know, years after that, I'm like, you, you try to convince yourself, oh, you really didn't see that. When you know damn well you did. You know, it's not yeah. supposed to exist, Timmy. Maybe you're going crazy. Maybe you're losing your mind. And, yeah, that, that tore me up for many years. Yeah. That's why I started well, carrying what? a camera with me, Tim. Every time I walk, went out somewhere, I'd take a camera with me. And that way I could at least point it and, and take a picture or a video, and that way I could show it to somebody else and say, look, do you see anything here? <laughs> because that way at least, <laughs> it, it, even, if it, even if it is blurry, you know, you were looking at something. There is something there. It may be blurry and you can't tell what it was, but you were seeing something. Well, let's let me let me just explain. I, I think to to put it in, in in much broader terms is let let's think about it. Now, I, I I for years was a medic, all right, and there was things that I seen that people could not comprehend, and I I would not I could not would not talk about. I mean, you know, it, it took me many years to get over it too. But I had two mother I, I had two Mother's Days in a row. And in those two Mother's Days in a row, I've seen five children die as a result of the fires. And that was, you know, 93 and 94. Boom, boom, back to back. And 94, that was it for me. I was done. Because I couldn't talk about it. I was having kids of my own. So it, 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 it creates this trauma within your system. If you're seeing something that you cannot express, you cannot describe, you cannot share with others without... And, and, and a lot of times is, you know, and Tim, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. You couldn't talk about it because they wouldn't understand it or they would ridicule Correct. it. And, and because of that, that builds up this, this, this stress within oneself. And police officers go through it, firefighters, medics, they all go through it. Uh, you know, uh, soldiers go through it because they all encounter things that are traumatic. They're life-changing events. They're things they don't expect to see that they see. And then they have to get through it. And once they get through it, they feel like they can't share it because nobody has that frame of reference. And that is, you know, truly what causes that stuff. And I, I've talked a lot uh, to a lot of witnesses in part of that, what I always try to do now, especially uh, one gentleman I think to, uh, of a lot is, um, and Tim, I don't know if you know him, Dave Groves. Um, I've heard of him, he, yeah. Yeah, he had a sighting, and and he was so scared to talk about it. He talked to me privately at a Cabela's event, and I had I was I don't know if it was the Cabela's. I think it was the Cabela's event, um, or it was at some event. And I, I said, "Listen, Dave, I want you to come up. And I want you to tell your story." But, but and I go, "Just be brave about it. Just do it, and you're not going to be mocked. People will listen to you." applaud you and ask you questions and that's exactly what happened and after that he thanked me because it was like lifting a a weight off his chest and you know uh, that's what I try to talk to that's why people ask me why do I go to conferences it's uh, to get let these people relate these stories so they can get them off and they don't have this trauma behind them because for a lot of people it is a trauma oh it is and then like you know, for 10 years, I held it in, and that builds up. 
and you know that can that can bring you down right there. And then once I started telling my family and friends and everybody, it was like the huge, the biggest weight off my shoulders. It was amazing. And I'm like, damn, I waited ten years for this, you know. But oh yeah, it really tore me up. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 amazing how it can change your whole mood, your persona for the longest time until you actually overcome it. I mean, it did for me. I mean, I I was not the same person for for quite some time after for years after that until I finally was able to put it behind me um, with those kids kids dying. It's just when I saw a Sasquatch, when I saw my first one. After going through what I had gone through in the 90s, it was kind of a small thing to me. But I can understand because it did linger in my head. And, yes, it it did provoke some dreams, but the event just kept playing over and over and over in my head for weeks. Um, And it's very distracting. It's very distracting. And... um, but uh, you know that's what we're here for. So people, if you're if you've seen a Sasquatch out there that's out there listening to me, or you've seen a Bigfoot, or any kind of trauma, talk about it. Talk to the right yeah. people about it. Obviously, if you've seen a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch, talk to the right people about it. But if you're going through some other type of of trauma in your life, please get some help. Talk about it to people. Get it off yeah. your chest. It'll make exactly. you a better person. You know. I agree. If I yeah, had to don't, go back uh, in time and change it all over again, you know, the day after, the day even the evening of my sighting, I would, you know, if I could, I'd go back in time and change it, and I'd start telling everybody because you, you know, like Steve said, you hold that in for so many years, it it takes its toll on you mentally. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it does. Um, now. One thing I've always said is shows like Finding Bigfoot have, you know, although, you know, there's a lot of people that scoff at the show, but they kind of made Bigfoot not a four-letter word. You know, it's not the dirty little secret. You know, and that was the one derivative from that show. I mean, agree or disagree, Tim? Well, I agree. Definitely. Um. Yes, it's it's created a whole new people that well, that think that tree knocking is in, in the woods and whooping is Bigfoot research, but it's a lot more than that. But that's okay. I'll I'll take the good with the bad, and and, and the good of that is now people are more open about it. Well, yeah, you got. We have to be honest with ourselves. Since uh, like, remember Monster Quest? I loved that series. I yeah. loved that yep. show because it wasn't only Bigfoot. They had maybe the you know, things about the Mothman, Chupacabra, stuff like that. But since shows right. like this have been coming out in the last 15 years, it is, in a way, it has really helped. It, it's gotten so many people to open up and tell their stories instead of holding it in for so many years like I did. Yeah. It's good to talk about it. Yeah. If, any, if anybody and you know, had as, a sighting that's been bugging them, they need to talk about it. It's the only way to get over and it. And <laughs> And as funny as it sounds, I actually, uh, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to meet Jason Hawes from Ghost Hunters. And I actually went up to him, and I had a little conversation with him, and I actually thanked him for what he did. Not only just for the ghost community, but for the uh, for the uh, the crypto community. Because yeah. 
right. their their show in a way kind of blazed the path for a finding Bigfoot for the the paranormal per se. You know, because uh, let's face it, <clears throat> Bigfoot may not be supernatural, but it is paranormal being outside of the normal. Um, yeah. You know, so people say, is Bigfoot yeah. paranormal? Yes, but it's not supernatural. It's not a ghost. It's not a superhuman being. It's not, it's, <clears throat> it's out of the norm. So that kind of opened the path to lead that, you know, it, it left the door open to get all that in. And uh, so, you know, shows like that, you know, I'll, I'll take the good with the bad any day. And, you know, there's people out there that, oh, they should have called that show Not Finding Bigfoot, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. You know, to me, it's just sour grapes for some people and other people. They didn't like the show. Okay. Not everybody's going to like every single show. Um, you know, I felt there were some, some great episodes of Finding Bigfoot. I I felt that there were some really bad episodes of Finding Bigfoot, but that happens with any, any show. There were some great what? Monster Quest episodes, and there was a couple of them that were so-so. So, right. That's what it is. What I liked about shows like that, actually, is the reports, people telling their stories. You know, that's what I really liked right. about the sh- show. Exactly. And, and you're seeing stuff that you don't normally see. So, uh, uh, your experience on on finding Bigfoot? Did you have a pleasant experience with it, or? Oh yeah, I did. I mean, um, you know, the cast, you know, um, Matt, um, you know, Cliff, Bobo, and Renee. They they all treated me real good, and especially the uh, the field producer, uh, Nat- Natalie Henson, I believe was her name, if I recall right. Um, I spent a lot of time with her. And at first, when I went down to the, you know, how on the show they have the uh, town meetings, and I went yep. down there and, you know, told my story and stuff like that. Well, before everybody left, um, she walked up to me and she goes, we're sorry, we're not going to use your story. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I just wanted to come down and tell my story. You know, I'm good with it. You know, thanks, you know, for giving me the opportunity and stuff. Well, once, once I left there, I was halfway back home. You know, it's an hour and 45-minute drive. She calls me on the phone. He says, Tim, uh, the other producers, they want your story. They want you to be on the show. I mean, just like that, they changed their minds. So, but, and Mark Mazel uh, for the BFRO, he, he was amazing. You know, I've actually went out with him a few times, uh, you know, do some research. But he, I spent a lot of time with him. Uh, you know, he helped me uh, set up the tree stand for, you know, for the filming and stuff like that. So it was a pleasant experience. It really was. They treated me really well. Excellent. You know, and the, and the funniest thing that I found about that, now, I actually never was on Finding Bigfoot, but I actually helped them produce, I think, two or maybe three episodes. I helped them put together some stuff. Oh, really? And, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. The... Uh, the Mother Bigfoot episode, which was the Vermont, uh, which was the Vermont Trail Cam photo in the Vermont area, then they did one in the Whitehall area, and then they did one with the uh, the uh, baby Bigfoot down in Medina, New York. And uh, actually, I met Natalie down at the location. We actually scouted the property at the time. Um, so yeah, I, I helped them, you know, kind of finagle all that stuff together. 
and get the you know the right witnesses and stuff like that. And uh, you know, my biggest shock was uh, meeting Matt because you know you hear these things about you know uh, you know people, and then I actually got to meet Matt and I found him to be quite congenial, very interested in what was going on, and a very decent person to me in person. So for that, I'm very grateful. You know, and oh, exactly. Yeah, I liked him too. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Not to cut you off, but before I forget, speaking of Natalie, here's a funny thing story. Uh, we were waiting on the film crew. We, I was in her vehicle, in one of the vehicles. She, she, I, I directed her to the area where I parked that morning of my sighting, and I said, "Pull over right here." And it, it started to rain, and we're waiting on the film crew. And she's sitting in the driver's seat. I'm sitting in the passenger seat. And she goes, so, Tim, tell me about your sighting again. I'm like, okay, all right. So I'm sitting there talking away, and I'm not even halfway through my uh, story to her, and I hear her snoring. I look (laughs) over, and she's out. I mean, she's out cold. So with that being said, Cliff was telling me that hours that they put in you would never believe. And she she'll go she'll go thirty, thirty five hours without even taking a nap. I mean, so and I felt so bad. You know, I just this lady all of a sudden I hear her snoring, I'm like, okay. So for the next forty minutes I'm sitting in the vehicle while she's sleeping and I'm just staring at the rain. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got, I got to tell you when I did uh when I I did the truth behind the Loch Ness monster which uh they flew me out to Scotland. Those were some long days. And then, oh, I remember you, know, you come that. back. Yeah. And you go back to the hotel and then you're you're on a wind down and then you're talking about the schedule for the next day and what you you know we're going over what we want to talk about the next day and what we're going to do the next day. So you not only you're done, you know, you you leave the place at nine o'clock in the morning. You're getting back six or seven. You're having dinner, and you're still talking about the project until ten at night. And to do that, I think I had one off day out of nine. Um, it, it's a very arduous process. When I when I did the Monster Quest, um, that was a three day affair, and that was a lot of hours uh, between you know shooting, getting the right angles, doing stuff. The amount of logistics they have to do. I mean, you think about it, that they're going into an area, and they're not even sure where exactly they're going to go at the onset of it. I'm going to uh, I'm going to Portsmouth, Ohio, and I land there. I don't know, you know, we're going to do the town hall, but we're not quite entirely 100% sure. We know a couple of the people we want to talk to, but we still have slots for two or three more. And we don't know where they are exactly logistically, and they have to plan all that out, get the crew out, get the good shots in, get the interviews in, get you know whatever kind of scripting they or storyline they want to, not so much a script but a storyline they want to follow. Um, yeah. Because storylines are even in reality TV, you have to have a storyline to make everything cohesive. Uh, it's not right. necessarily fiction. It's okay, we're going to talk about this in relation to that, in relation to this. And uh, it's a, it's not an easy process. And those people worked their asses off from what I saw. So They do. And actually, I would like I to was... have – go ahead. Go ahead, man. 
phone. Actually, I was told, I can't remember who told me, but when we was doing the filming, uh, I believe it was Renee told me that for every episode they do, their camera crew, they had three three cameras there, three camera crew. They have to shoot a minimum of 70 hours of footage, and then it's narrowed down to 40 minutes. 70 wow. hours, I couldn't believe it. And And before I forget... You guys want to know the first time I met Matt Moneymaker? This is funny. Hmm. Um, I think it was two years after my sighting. I was down in Salt Fork at what now – I was in the area of what now they call Bigfoot Ridge. And yeah. I'm, yep. it was probably 1030 at night. I'm just inside the wood line. There's a big ravine, and it goes back up another hill. Well, I'm in there just walking around with my flashlight looking. I can hear people talking on the other side of the ravine. So I'm pointing my flashlight over there and stuff like that. And here, not even 30 seconds later, here comes a park ranger. Gets out of his vehicle, comes walking up to me to see what I'm doing. Hey, everything okay here? I'm saying, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I still got my flashlight, mind you, pointed on the other side of this hillside because I was trying to see who was over there talking. And uh, yeah. all of a sudden, I hear this guy go, turn your flashlight off, dickhead. And I looked at the – I'm not kidding you. I looked at the park ranger, and I said, oh, that's some guys over there. And he told me, he goes, oh, that's Matt Moneymaker and his buddies over there. That's the first time I heard about Matt Moneymaker when he called me a dickhead. <laughs> that was in, I believe, 94. Yeah, it was 94 he was doing – early yeah. 90s he was doing a lot in Ohio. So that was the first time I heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was kind of sad to see Finding Bigfoot go. You know, I would rather to have, a, like, a weekly show that, you know, of course, I didn't get to watch every episode, you know, when it came out that night. But, you know, during the the, the replays or another, I, I would get to watch an episode every now and then. And I kind of miss it. And uh, if, uh, you know, I miss the old Monster Quest, you know. They always need to have some kind of weekly deal about Bigfoot. Uh, the only thing that I could see on the cable now is, like, uh on Destination America, the the killing Bigfoot things, and I, I don't even watch those. Right. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Moneymaker was on a podcast. Uh, I think it's called MonstrousPodcast.com a few months ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was October maybe. But he stated on there that he he's going to be the producer, but he is actually going to be coming out with a new show, a new series. Yep. Well, that's I don't know if you guys heard that, but he he plainly stated that on the. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that'll cool. be interesting. And 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 the funny thing is too is uh, uh, Ghost Hunters is coming back too. Uh, they're really? they're going to be making some major. They're going to be making some major announcements. I think they're moving over. Uh, basically, everything's moved over from Destination America over to the Travel Channel now. So oh. I would not be surprised we see because Travel Channel bought Destination America and. Destination America has ah. become more of the travel channel, and Destination America, as we knew it, has now moved over to the travel channel. That's why you have, yeah. uh, you know, Josh Gates over there now. And um, <laughs> uh, so, well, anyway, guess we what need, time it is. We need to get we need to get Josh on on the show, uh, Steve, because he is funnier than hell. <laughs> I like Josh, but uh, not a Bigfoot believer. Yeah, not a yeah. big football. You know, he he's done so many well, investigations, though. You know. Yep. 
Well, anyway, guess what time it is, Chris? I, I see. Yeah, <laughs> I hate yeah. that. Yeah, I do too. Well, Tim, this <laughs> has been a quick, quick night. Um, yeah, we had a lot of fun. We we we've had a lot of fun. We would like to have you on again soon, and uh, we'll get at it with some more stuff. But uh, uh, Tim, obviously, we want to promote the Ohio Bigfoot Facebook group. Um, of course, uh, folks out there want to catch Tim and. Uh, you know, all his best uh, Ohio Bigfoot hunters on Facebook. Just get on Facebook and type in Ohio Bigfoot hunters. It'll come up. So, uh, Tim, any, anything else you got going on in the near future? Uh, no, just changing my game up. You know me, I like to try different things from from watercraft research to drone to using thermals. Just I'm just going to keep at it. I truly enjoy it. It's, it uh, you know, I love to do it. So, um, amen and I for that, brother. You guys have me on. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having oh, me on the show tonight. We'll do it again. Our pleasure. It's been fun. Yeah, well, we, always we, enjoy. The honor's been all ours. Yep. Yep. So anyway, folks, uh, next week. Uh, thanks a lot, Tim. And uh, next week, folks, on uh, Squat Detective Radio, we're going to have on uh, Eric Altman and Dave Dragerson, researchers from Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about the Bigfoot camping adventure as well. Uh, on behalf of me and Chris, Chris, any final thoughts? Oh, just thanks, uh, Tim, again for coming on, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> so anyway, on behalf of everybody here at Squatch Detective Radio, we want to wish everybody a happy and safe week. God bless, and most of all, keep on squatching. We'll catch you all next week, guys. 9 p.m. Eastern blogtalkradio.com forward slash squash detective. Except that's the wrong intro. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Squatch Detective Radio. Join us each week on Blog Talk Radio, Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern, as your hosts, veteran Bigfoot researchers, Steve Culls and Chris Bennett. Bring you guests from around North America, exploring the mystery of the beast known as Bigfoot. 